Yeah, g'day everyone and welcome back to the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast. My name's Dane from Clarkie's Rugby League Column. I'm joined every week by my co-host Blaze from BKR Sport to talk everything Gold Coast Titans and hopefully inspire our local Gold Coast community to get behind this great club in the process. We've got a great show planned today. Before we get to all that and more though, let me welcome my co-host Blaze. How are you going, mate? I've been better. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I, I have definitely uh, been better than what we're going through right now. That's three in a row with controversial losses, specifically this one where we'll get into today that obviously, you know, the NRL has admitted they made the incorrect calls in the last five minutes of the game. But again, we'll speak about that one. But no, look, it's it's all right, man. You know, uh, as rugby league fans, we're just sitting back and, and have to just enjoy the show for what's put on in front of us. And, you know, I, I'm traveling around the country getting to watch this team and really enjoying it. So, yeah, no, it's it's pretty good on my end, but definitely been better in regards to, I guess, the results that the team has had. Uh, well, really, I, I think it's just... Uh, you just have to really acclimatise to what's in front of you. And that's what uh, I guess we're trying to do. Yeah, ride the highs and lows. But I guess, you know, the silver lining, you can't question our effort over the last three weeks. Mm. So uh, I think although Titans fans were frustrated with the outcome or the result, we're certainly proud of our team. Let's jump into our Titans news segment. We'll open it up with the Tino Fa'a Sulmala Awi suspension. Now he's gone for three games after accepting the early guilty plea for his shoulder charge. I'll be honest, I saw the clip and I thought we were going to challenge this. Uh, it certainly wasn't a classic arm tucked, but maybe the arm didn't wrap as much. So I want to ask you, do you think it was fair, unfair? And do you think he had a case to maybe challenge there? Look, I think based off of what happened with Jared Wallace from the Dolphins game, I think that there definitely was a case to to challenge it. However, I, I believe the only issue that I really see in regards to this one is that you know, it has there. There has been like a, a target on on Tino's head for a little bit now with the the tackling technique. Uh, sorry, the the way that he apparently lifts his elbow and uh, how he's going at players like that, and how there's this grub nature of Tino, right? So I believe, like for me, I don't think it's as deep as other people do. But then again, that could be from my Titans bias there. Uh, but in the same sense, I thought Jared Wallace's was was worse than what Tino did over the weekend, and yet he got off. So maybe that does provide a bit of a, a reasoning to say, yeah, look, we could have challenged it. However, due to the fact that there has been a target on Tino's head for a little bit now, even if he had got off, I do believe that they will find something to get him for over the next couple of weeks. And that could be putting tinfoil hat over the top of my head there. But I just feel like they're trying to really limit this aspect of the game quite significantly. And I think that Tino is definitely a guy that they would ideally like to come for to really appease a lot of the, the fans from, say, the Bulldogs or even the Eels or, or the uh, New South Wales, you know, which, which is what he's had a problem with throughout the season. So, look, I, I do think they probably would have found a way to get him. But in the same sense, I thought Jared Wallace's was worse and he got off, so maybe there was a case to answer there. I look at it two ways. I look at it in the sense that the referee in that game seemed to be maybe officiating a little bit off the outcome. And I go to the incident where Mitchell Moses comes reeling out of a tackle, holding his face, saying, ow, ow, ow. Referee thinks, oh, there must have been something illegal. That's a penalty. Um, earlier this round, we saw Toby Sexton, one of our former players, accidentally kneed in the head on the ground. Referee sees blood. Oh, my God, it must be bad penalty. And so there's been this officiating based on outcomes. And you look at the outcome of that tackle, Really, there was nothing. Um, Campbell Gillard just got, you know, smashed a little bit sideways, but he wasn't injured. Contact wasn't high or dangerous. It was forceful. So I understand that. But I'm a bit of an old school fan, to be honest, mate. You know, what Campbell Gillard did to Chris Randall was a proper dog shot, whether it was on purpose or not. And Tino was getting him square. And I like that side. That's exactly what I was going to say. That's what exactly I was going to say, man. Like, in reality, Tino was getting square for what Regan Campbell-Gillard did to Chris Randall, which was deserved for for that. You know, that's what happened back in the day if a player was coming for you. And, like, again, we're not going to talk on the intentions of what Campbell-Gillard may or may not have done, but the fact of the matter is is that it was... It actually probably, arguably, was a send-off, you know, and a lot of people have agreed with this, except for, obviously, Parramatta fans, but we'll get into that in a second. But, you know, yeah, absolutely. He was evening up the score there from a, a dirty play from the opposition team, and whether you believe Tino did what he did or not, you know, the fact of the matter is is that he was just defending our team. And I really loved that from Tino. So regardless of the suspension of three games, I, I back Tino 100% of the way. Yeah, Tino's a great leader. And, and for what he did there, look, maybe by the rule book, not the smartest thing, but certainly for myself, uh, you know, he was standing up for our team there. And I'm, I'm not angry or disappointed at him for doing Another that thing- at all. 
just quickly before you move on to the next one, another thing is that our fan base has been arguing and asking for a enforcer for a long time now. You know, and really wanting somebody to, to defend defend our team like a Rory Hargraves or a Nelson Osofa Solomona kind of deal. And that's exactly what you got with what Tino did just then. So hopefully, you know, it's hard for him to do that though as a captain. So maybe it's... He can't really be a captain and, and do things like this at the same time. That's the only issue. But with that being said, we asked for this and we got it. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's something we probably have been missing since we lost Greg Bird all those years ago. Uh, let's stay on our skipper, though. He is now reportedly a free agent. Uh, News Corp newspapers seem to believe his agent will activate that contract clause, which will give him three months to gather options from other clubs and then make a decision based on his future. For what it's worth, I think his manager's just doing his job. If you have a chance to reassess the market, why not do it? You just you never know, right? Uh, but ultimately, nothing's changed for me. I still th- see Tino as a huge part of our future and our captain. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, and I spoke to him after the game at Parramatta. He, Parramatta really sucks for fan engagement because for the op- uh, the away team because there's a massive fence at the back that prevents that. But they do still come over. They say hello, sign stuff, and... And I had a good conversation with Tino, and he just he just is still this team. You know, he's still emotionally attached to this team. He's passionate about this team. And although this does come out, I still have no worries and thought processes that he's going to leave because he is on quite a bit of money. It's not like he's on some cheap contract. He is on quite a significant amount of money that I don't think other clubs are really going to drastically be able to improve. And that's the only way they'd realistically be able to get him in that sense. And I still don't even think they would be able to because he is so invested in this team. Yes, I know that the sacking of Justin Holbrook really did hurt him, but the fact of the matter is, is that the club is more than just an individual in regards to Justin. And I, I, I believe that he's really bought into this. I have no doubts about that. You know, we talk about things on, on Instagram and, you know, we uh, I really do back him in. I, I believe that he absolutely wants to uh, stay at this club. And although it, it's not going to be possible to get a official confirmation on a personal level or anything like that regarding stuff like this, but I do genuinely have the, the feeling that he has no interest in leaving. And I'd love for Tina to come out and say, look, my manager's doing his job, but I don't want to leave. I love the Titans so much. But it's quite clear in that instance, his manager would have told him, hey, mate, don't speak about it. Just keep it quiet. Let me do my job and we'll go on from there. But yeah, I completely agree. Um, you know, he's a young father. He's got children. Um, but I just think that for another club to get him over the line, the highest paid forward in the game right now is Adam Fenua Blake on $1.05 million. Tino's contract rises to $1.1 million in the future. So yeah. certainly you'd be offering him a pretty big salary, a pretty big chunk of your salary cap rather to get him out. And of course, the other news that we will speak about later will be the NRL officially admitting, I don't want to say Rob, but for all intensive purposes, we were more or less Rob, because I don't think Tanner's going to miss that goal from in front, uh, but we'll get to that. Uh, let's stay with positives for the mo- for the moment. That is our NRLW season, which is yep, going really to exciting. kick off and I can't wait. Uh, We'll kick off our 2023 campaign at Saturday, 12.50 against the Cowboys, which will be a game before our NRL side plays later. Now, NRLW is still a little bit of an emerging space. There's not that historical, I guess, background uh, that the NRL has. So it is a little bit tougher to give predictions uh, for the overall season. But this game in particular, myself, I'm very confident we win. I'm confident based on our squad and how we performed last year. So I'm really feeling good coming to this one. Um, how do you see the game? No doubt you're going to give our girls the tip. Absolutely. And I'm, I genuinely believe it too. I'm really confident in the Titans women's team this season. We've gone out, we've bought well, you know, we've really reestablished ourselves as a, as a good team. You know, last year, maybe not our best year, but we did also have a really good season before that as well. And this Titans team is, is really trying to utilize the, the focal point around the community. And this women's game, we are really focal, uh, focusing on that. And it looks really great when you've got, you know, women like Ivania Pelletier, who has been fantastic, played for Australian sevens before. You know, Jamie Chapman's unbelievable. Emily Bass bringing her in on the wing is a brilliant move there. You know, we've got some a really good spine and we've got quite a few origin representatives. I can't tell you the, the amount of the number, but it's over seven in, in comparison with the Queensland and New South Wales squads there. So, you know, we've definitely got a lot of, 
uh, origin caliber talent and uh, the the titans are, are really looking to to move on this season and potentially get our first piece of silverware across the entirety of the club you know so yeah really excited for this obviously we take on a cowboys team this is their first time in the competition and uh, they've got a couple of our ex-players in jasmine peters uh, who played with us for the last couple of years and uh, tanner raffertran smith as well uh, so there's a couple there that have played under titans colors but this is the first time the cowboys are ever getting a game we did beat them quite well in the preseason as well so look I'm really confident for this game I'm really confident for the season and I'm really looking forward to the Gold Coast Titans women's team getting underway and you mentioned some of the signings there and I mean I'll call out some of the names because it's just magnificent recruitment here Shaley Bent, Talia, uh, Talia Fumayano, two rep players there Jamie Chapman, Emily Bass rep players uh, Niall Williams, Sonny Bill Williams sister who's a gold medal rugby sevens winner Danny Paris, Caitlin Phillips um, the list goes on there, but just those rep stars at the top there, you can really see recruitment um, has been a big focus. And of course, we did lose a few rep players. Tasman Gray, you'd say most notably, given she just won the uh, uh, Women's Origin MVP. Um, but still, the recruitment, they're very, very happy. Let's get into some season predictions then for the NRL. Let's go ladder finish. I'm going to go second. I think we're in, I'd, I'd love to say first, but I don't want to be too audacious. But I, I think we're in that top four range. We're probably up there with the Roosters who always seem to have such a strong side, particularly with their rep centers of uh, Kelly and Sergis. The Eels, I think the signing of Rachel Pearson is really good for them, and they've kept bulk of that roster together. And I think probably the Broncos will be up there with us. They have lost a lot of players over the years, but they still seem to have a really, really strong side on paper. So I'm going to go second. Where do you see us finishing? I genuinely see us in first. I think that we're going to be in the grand Love final it. with the Sydney Roosters. And and that's not me just being biased and saying that for the sake of it. I think that there is a lot of hype around this Gold Coast Titans women's team right now. You know, we've got Boothy there. You know, he's helping in. Uh, if people don't know who I'm referring to, that's Aaron Booth, who plays the Gold Coast Titans, had a severe injury last season down there in Melbourne, and he's trying to recover from that so he can get a bit of footy himself in again. Uh, but, you know, he's, uh, you know, around Karen Murphy. They've got a great team building at this uh, this women's level, and I genuinely believe this is our, our best chance to do it. So I will genuinely say first, I think if, if there is a team to, to beat us this season, it would be the Sydney Roosters. And the Parramatta Eels are a pretty good damn well team as well. You know, they were in the grand final last year against the Knights who did unfortunately lose to the Knights. But the fact of the matter is the Eels do have a pretty solid team. So they're the three teams I'm really looking at. The Broncos have gone and made a few signings. They used to be the real prime team of the competition too a few years ago when it was very limited. It was like four teams. I think four it was teams, the yeah. Roosters, the Broncos, the Warriors, and the... Dragons, Dragons, I believe. I it yeah. yeah, it was the Dragons. So the Broncos were the primo team. They're not so much anymore. Uh, but the fact of the matter is that they'll still be there or thereabouts. But when I'm really looking at a team to, to challenge this Titans women's team this year, it's the Roosters. But I am backing us in to win the comp. Love it, mate. We'll get to our MVP in one second. But before we do, I just want to give a quick open letter to Boothie. <laughs> real, real short letter, mate, to Aaron Booth. Well done, mate. Your attitude in your, not only your recovery from this very very tough injury um and, and and it's not the first time you've suffered such an injury so your commitment to this club this community to get involved with our women's side i can't give you a big enough rap on the back and if other titans fans are listening to this and see boothy make sure you shake his hand give him a big, big pat on the back because i think that's funny you say that though he's not as recognizable anymore we i uh, saw him at the titans women's training the other week and uh it was funny because i was looking at him i was looking obviously at the field where the women were and all the coaching and stuff were and one of the the coaches were walking over and i like i was looking i was trying to figure out who it was and he waved at me because we we know each other obviously since he's been a part of the team and i've really supported him throughout his recovery and i really do appreciate the man that aaron booth is uh, but he was walking over but he had this massive beard on him and i didn't recognize who it was so i felt awkward but then i realized as he was getting closer oh wait that's boothy so don't yeah. <laughs> you might not recognize him at first but he's got a massive beard right now and he's cracking on so get around aaron yeah Mate, I love that energy. And he wasn't understudy to Cameron Smith, one of the best hookers ever, who did grow that beard and go on to win, I believe, our Dalian Hooker of the Year in 2020 <laughs> and the Premiership. So Boothy's cooking up a Smithy beard special. I love that. Uh, Premiership inbound, no doubts there. MVP, I'm going Evania Paliti. Love how she plays. Um, average just under one try or assist every game across her entire NRLW career, which I believe is up there at about 14 games. She's been uh, with the Warriors and then us. Last year, I was very impressed, averaging 171 meters per game. I just felt every time she touched the ball, I had this confidence that she was going to create something through a tackle break or, or through a, 
um, opening a, an opportunity for someone outside of her. She's just won the origin with Queensland at centre, showing her versatility where she broke plenty of tackles there also. I think she's primed for a huge season, so I'm going Politi as my pick. Who have you got for your MVP? Yeah, Vani Politi is a really good shout. You know, Talia Fuimaono is going to be a massive signing here in our 5'8 department, uh, but I really do have to look at Georgia Hale as our captain in that number 13. I think that she is a, a tough enforcer that will really come in and, and really lead this team around well. So for me, I'm going to give the MVP to our captain in Georgia Hale. And uh, th like, I could honestly look at plenty of players around here. Jessica Elliston, like she is a fantastic player that just runs that ball hard in the front row. Lauren Brown used to play for the Broncos. Now she's at the Titans women. Really excited to see her nifty play at a dummy half. But yeah, I just think that our captain this year is really going to uh, really going to lock it down uh, and we're going to get the job done with her in charge. Jess is a real funny personality, man. I remember they mic'd her up for a training session once on our Instagram and it, it was a good laugh. Um, let's jump into our best signing. I am going to go Niall Williams-Guthrie. Touched on it before, SBW's sister. Represented New Zealand Rugby 7 since 2016 where she's won multiple gold medals. Now she's... 35 years old, so no spring chicken at the start of her career. Probably you'd say more towards the tail end, but I just think her X factor out wide, that elusiveness that Rugby 7 brings, um, of course, Politi has that background as well for Australia, will really bring out our X factor in the centres, and I think the centres can be a really strong spot for us next year, so I am going to go Nia Williams-Guthrie for my pick. Who do you think our best signing is going to be? Yeah, this is uh, this is a good one because there's a couple of players here that you could could really look at there, and Jamie Chapman's a huge one. Uh, Emily Bass yep. on the wing, really really liking her. Uh, both obviously ex Broncos, but I'm actually going to say that Jamie Chapman's huge. I think Jamie Chapman is a huge inclusion there into the centres. She obviously was playing for New South Wales. We saw that massive run that she made during Origin that was just absolutely fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what our attack can do this season with the Gold Coast Titans. And uh, Jamie Chapman's going to be at the forefront of that in the centres. And then obviously Talia Fumaona in the 5 is going to be fantastic. But I will say Jamie Chapman. And you know, Jamie Chapman, probably more of a noted winger at NRL level. But you look at her stats at centre in the World Cup for Australia. Her first game there at centre. I mean, just, I'm not actually joking here. you got to believe this. Three tries, three try assists, nine tackle breaks. Um, her whole tournament, she averaged 160 metres, made 21 tackle breaks, scored four tries. Um, and her other try actually did come at centre there against Papua New Guinea. So fantastic signing. And that was definitely one I looked at as well. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap up our NRLW chat, I guess, just by saying from myself, a lot of other NRL fan bases, from what I see online, haven't fully embraced their NRLW side yet. And I do think as a community and as the Titans, we have a real opportunity to be a real change and a, and a real positive light in that space. The NRLW is a, is a great product. Give it a chance, guys. There's still a lot of negative connotations attached to it, which I don't fully understand, but there is. Um, and so my message to any fans listening to this that are uh, fans of our Titans NRLW side We've got a great opportunity and we've got a great side ready to contend for a premiership, get around our NRLW side. Did you want to add anything to that before we move on? I think the people don't recognise how quality the, the women's game can be. I know that it's not at the same quality as the NRL and that's not disrespecting anybody by saying that, but you've got to appreciate it for what it is because they hit hard, man. Like, it is an enjoyable game. I think that people don't actually watch it and to, to get the credit that it should deserve because they think, oh, because it doesn't have the same kind of quality as a men's game that's been running for 116, 17 years. This has only been going for, what, six, seven years now. The fact of the matter is, is that it's growing and it's really exciting exciting to see the the talent that's coming through this women's game and yeah I, I think people need to give a lot more credit actually sit down and watch a game the great thing about this one this weekend between the titans and cowboys is that it is the precursor uh, before the titans and uh, titans and roosters game so yeah you get a couple of double headers i think we might have a double header next week as well actually uh, before the titans cowboys game uh, which would have been great to see the, the women's game before the men's game, Titans-Cowboys and then Titans-Cowboys, but it wasn't to be in two different weeks, even though we're at home. It is uh, not two different weeks. But yeah, really excited for the women's team this year, and I think everyone should get behind our community club because we are a community club where the people say that you know teams like the Roosters and Rabbitohs and Panthers now, you know Storm, they're all built on you know having this success at the moment. Well, let's differentiate from them and be the best in regards to supporting the community of the Gold Coast because that's all we can really do right now. We don't have have the premiership to back us well guess what we have a community club that really love every aspect of what we're trying to build so that's the main thing that i'll say love it mate love the passion there let's touch on last week 
of course, that will give our 3-2-1 votes. We'll go around the grounds, talk about Cute Cup before getting on to this week. Just quickly for our listeners, you could probably hear my voice is struggling. Stay with me. <laughs> I've almost lost my voice. Uh, well, I had lost it all last week, but it is coming back now. So unfortunately, last week, we did go down to the Parramatta Reels, 25-24. to 24. That was our third loss in a row and really heartbreaking circumstances. Um, I've got a lot of thoughts on this game, but I want to go straight to you because I know you were there and you would have uh, had to witness that live, which would have been a really tough pill to swallow. Uh, what were your thoughts on the game and how it panned out? Um, it's a it's a really, really tough one to, to explain my feelings around this game because, you know, to get it out of the way early, last week we lost to the Dolphins by a call that doesn't ever get made in regards to a penalty in extra time uh, where Aaron Clark was offside very minimally. And then we go to this week and we lose this game based off of not receiving that call and not just once, but twice in the final five minutes of that game. So it's really, really difficult to take that aspect out of this game and not just be infuriated that we have been absolutely dudded and the NRL has been absolutely hypocritical in regards to these two calls, regardless of them admitting fault. The fact of the matter is we don't gain anything from them admitting fault. So that just has to get out of the way early. I will say, though, that when I'm at the game, obviously, it's a lot more difficult to see the offsides and whatnot, so I didn't have a full comprehension of how offside he was, so I'm going to put myself back into the mindset that I had while sitting in Section 209 at Combank. Really loved the fact that we had a lot of fans out there, by the way. We really were loud, and people said they could hear us from the other side of the stadium. Um, We're really growing a good away base now. I just want to throw that out there. Now, in regards to the game, the boys did what they could. I thought the boys were were solid and unfortunately lost a tight battle regardless of the call. They unfortunately lost a tight battle due to the same kind of silly little errors that we make when coming off our line or whatnot. Overall, I was still proud of the performance. I thought that gone are the days where we choked away massive leads of 26-0. You know, now we're staying in the fight the entire way. All three games of last week have been decided by four or less points. And again, all three of them controversially. But... And the fact of the matter is, is that we're now competing with every team that we play against. And the Dolphins have had good performances this year. The Raiders are currently, I believe, in the top four, debatably. And then you've got the Eels, who are in the top eight right now, and have been getting some good form towards that middle part to the end of the season. So I think that there is positive signs here from this team, from what's been happening recently, that you can still really focus on and say, you know what, we are building something for the future and then get Desi in and Desi's going to turn this team from those little losses. Like, I believe that if Desi was here, I think he gets it. And that's no disrespect to Jimmy Lenahan. I think Jimmy Lenahan is doing a great job with this team as an interim coach. But I do believe that with Des there, with the future ahead of us, I think that he gets the win in that game because he just knows how to win those. So, yeah, I I think that it's a tough pill to swallow considering the circumstances. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that the, the Titans are on the right track. Yeah, I love that. And I, I do think that when you're competing as hard as we have been in the last three weeks, eventually once you get that hard edge about you and that experience, then you will win more games than you lose. With the effort we bring, I'm really confident that Des Hasler could be the man that brings that quote-unquote hard edge that we need. I guess the overall theme of this game was the officials. I thought they were rather poor in a lot of games last week, but particularly on this one, and what kind of frustrated me online, I suppose, was not only the amount of Eels fans that came at me because oh, man. I actually used to be an Eels fan before we entered the competition. My whole family goes for them. So it's not like I have this underlying hate for the Eels. It's actually the opposite. If there was ever a team... I shouldn't mind us losing to, it would be the Eels, right? Um, because then, of course, my whole family wins. And I do I do usually go for the Eels over any team but the Titans because um, people in my family, I, I believe my great-grandfather started going for the Eels in like the 1940s. So, it, you know, we, we're going back when we talk about the family history and Eels. But the, the, the calls online that were just so frustrating was Tino should have been sent to the sin bin. Sammy had double movement and all these things. But look, guys, the NRO came out and acknowledged all the errors from the game. They do it every week. And all the ones that are being complained about by people online weren't mentioned by Graham Annesley. So all that tells me is that's their own interpretation of the rules. And unfortunately for them, that interpretation is incorrect. Um, It's crazy. I, I will say, though, I don't think we were robbed. I think we were extremely unlucky. But I won't go as far to say robbed. 
I've got no doubt Tanner kicks it over right in front, right? And that gives us a lead with a minute to go. But we just can't say that the Eels don't gather a short one and then kick their own field goal and go to extra point and do that again. We don't know for certain, so I can't say robbed. But it's a it, it was extremely unlucky, and it was probably about as close to robbed as you could get, I would say. And it just seems that we've it's been that way the last few weeks for us, where we sit here at full time and we go, oh, we weren't robbed, but we were very unlucky. And I just can't wait until we get to the point where we go, oh, man, the ref made such a bad call, but it didn't matter because we got the win anyway. And I do think that once we get that hard edge about us with the amount of effort we're bringing, we will be able to do that here most weeks, which is really, really exciting. Um, I was disappointed with our start. Much like against the Raiders, we had avoidable errors and we probably didn't match it with the Eels forward pack early. And I, I was feeling pretty worried in that first 15 minutes. We did not bring our best footy. But to our credit, the Eels' discipline opened that door for us. And you can only give respect to this team for taking that opportunity. There's no luck involved there, Blaze, because you can be presented with the best opportunity in life, but if you're not prepared to meet that, then you're not lucky. You're just the person that missed out. And our team met that opportunity. I thought we did really well in the period where they had two in the sin bin. That that time, in that period there, I was probably a little bit disappointed with it. But then as you pointed out, we actually did score the two tries, which was really, really good. No doubt their discipline opened the door, but we were ready to take that opportunity. I'm really proud of our team for that. From there, I felt it was a great arm wrestle. But I just had this gut feeling we were always going to come out on top. The team gave me great confidence this week. I think the real killer for us was that Clinton Gutherson try. And you watch the replays and, oh, there was only millimeters in it. And for everything Jaden does well, and I'm not taking a shot at Jaden here. I'm not saying it's his fault at all. But I just wonder that, you know, if he was two kilos heavier, would he have given a guff of that little bit extra bump to get him out there? We can only wonder now. Um, but you know what? It is what it is. My assessment, without being too dour, probably our season over. And I, I say that with a really, really heavy heart. But I've got to be honest with myself. Three weeks ago on the show, I said to you guys, I think this is a really important period coming up. We've got to win at least two, if not one at minimum. And unfortunately, whether the circumstances were in our control or not in our control, we have managed to lose all three. So that is unfortunately my assessment. It doesn't give me any joy to say it, mate. Uh, but anything else to add to the game from that? Yeah, I want to really focus on the fact that people have been complaining, whether it be Titans fans or not Titans fans, people, as you kind of mentioned just before, that when the Eels had two in the bin and it was 13 on 11, people say that we didn't do enough. Like they keep saying, oh, you lost to an 11-man team. No, we didn't because in that time frame, so before the two bins happened, we were down 12-0. And then when those two bins happened... Whether it took us three minutes or not, or two minutes or not, that two minutes was the only two minutes we didn't actually do anything with it, right? Because it was actually only seven minutes or so that we had those those two in the bin. Because the other three minutes, six minutes, one in the bin, or six minutes. Well, that's going to prove my point even more. Six minutes there. So we had six minutes with two in the bin from the Eels. In that six minutes, we have scored two tries. Now, for a set, for a try scoring set, you're probably looking at between one minute to maybe one minute twenty. And then times that by two for the two tries. That's a roughly, you know, two, two and a half minutes. You could even argue two minutes 45, right? Let's go with two and a half in the middle. So two and a half minutes have been taken up by the actual set of the scoring try. And then you've got the fact that the kicking of the conversion probably takes up at least a minute there as well with Tanner Boyd taking it from the sideline or from wherever. So that's gone from two and a half to three and a half to four and a half. And then you've got that minute and a half in between where we didn't do much, but in the same sense, we still scored two tries. So you're only really complaining about potentially one try extra not being scored there to, you know, lead the game by what? We missed a kick. It was 12-10, so it would have been, what, 14-12 or 16-12. And we still ended up scoring to go up by that uh, by the end of the first half. We were up 14-12 at one stage uh, at halftime, I believe it was. So, you know, I don't think we didn't do enough in that situation. Um, you know, we may have looked a little bit cagey to start off with, but... Yeah, look, I, I think that to to read to go over your point of saying we weren't robbed, I think that it's it's difficult because the first 75 minutes of a game, you've got time to adjust after a call is made. So if a, if a call gets made, say this penalty no call happens in the first five minutes of the game, realistically, who cares? Yeah, frustrating, but you've got 75 minutes to change it. Or even the 40-minute mark, 40 minutes to change it. Even the 70-minute mark, you've still got 10 minutes to change it. But we had three minutes left on the clock. So we get that penalty, we kick it over, because it's guaranteed kick, it's 20 metres out in front, 10 metres out in front, whatever. We kick it over, and then we're leading by one, and it's 
it's not really about like, oh, the Eels could have gotten a short kick and then received it and then scored a try themselves because, you know, we, we didn't get to that point. But the fact of the matter is, is that we were guaranteed two points at that stage with three minutes to go. And we would have soaked up another minute off that kick as well. So it would have been two minutes to go. They would have had one set and we're more than likely still going to get the ball back from the kickoff. So the fact of the matter is, is that I think in regards to this game, despite calls being made previously in this game that were debatable from both sides, the fact of the matter is, is that if any team was robbed this season or in, in this game, it absolutely was us. And I would say robbed. And this isn't me having a go at you. This is just me explaining my point that you have no time to adjust a three-minute spell, right? But you have time to adjust 35 minutes, 40 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And there was two calls, two penalties that should have happened that didn't happen. So for me, I don't usually say rob, but I do genuinely believe this was a robbery. Yeah, I suppose I only use the word robbed when I'm like, there's no doubt, it's 100%. And in this case, I'm probably only 95 to 99%. You know, I'm right there. I, I'm More or less, we were robbed. But unless I can get that 100%, I won't use that terminology. And for anyone interested, I actually do, because you make such a great point, I actually want to go through it a bit more carefully. 25 minutes and 17 seconds, Regan Campbell-Gillard is sin bin. That's their second one. Uh, 26 minutes and 7 seconds, Tanner Boyd makes an error. 28 minutes and 2 seconds, Phil Sammy scores. It takes Tanner a minute and a half to make that conversion. There you go. We then score one minute later, uh, one minute and 15 seconds later through a Lofiana Khan Pereira. It takes Tanner Boyd one and a half minutes again. We're now at 32 minutes. Nothing happens during that period. Tanner Boyd gets penalized for being offside at 34th minute. And Regan Campbell Gillard returns a minute later. So the time that we had the ball, and if you take out the conversion time, we scored. There was only one yeah. set we didn't score on. So it's like you really can't be too critical of it when you when you break it down that way. Uh, let's go into our three two ones. I'm gonna I'm gonna go first. I want to go Tino for my three points. Now it probably wasn't Tino's greatest game. I'm sure people are saying, um, especially when you consider he is now suspended from that game for three weeks. But as I said in that first 15 minutes, I thought the Eels forward pack were really getting over the top of us. Their discipline allowed us back into the game. But this man, Tino, did the hard work to get us back in the game. Every single run had impact and had purpose. And he's 25 tackles, I believe, he's made as well. Some of those were really big momentum shift, uh, halting uh, shots there from Tino. So I'm going to give him my three points purely because I thought he really took it to the eels. Who gets your top vote this week? Uh, look, I, I could easily go with Tino as well, but because you've gone Tino, I am going to try and go elsewhere to, to kind of shout out a, a player's name that... I don't think would normally get the three points because of the position that he's in. But the fact of the matter is, is that he had a great game. And that's a Lofiana Khan Pereira. You know, he scored two tries. We needed those tries. I think that this was one of his better games defensively as well because Micah Sivo didn't score. I think Sivo was on his side, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so Micah Sivo, one of the biggest wingers in the competition, such a strong, tough man, could have easily, you would have thought, run over the top of Loffy, but he didn't. So the fact of the matter is, is that Loffy had a great game defensively, also attacking-wise, and I think that he uh, really created a spark in a game we needed a spark. And obviously, the when he played the Eels earlier this season, also had that massive spark and scored a couple of tries as well. So, yeah, look, I'm going to give it to Loffy for my three, but I do think that I have to give my number two to Tino because the fact of the matter is, is that he is a leader. He did what he did to get one back on a dirty, dirty play from Regan Campbell-Gillard. You know, I think that he absolutely, despite not having maybe his best game ever, did lead the line for our team as much as humanly possible. And I think that, you know, the way that he carries himself is exactly what we want in this club. So I'm going to give him the two, but he easily could have gotten the three as well. well I've got the opposite. I've got a low Fiona Khan Pereira as my two. So we're pretty much right there and there. Um, we only scored four tries. Two of them were through him. And um, as you said, his defense, Mike Acevo, 11 runs for 82 meters and only 27 post contact. So he didn't really have too much opportunity there with Lofi defending him, which is really good when you consider their size difference. My one point, I'm with Moeki Fotuaka. 35 tackles in the middle, working hard, backing up from origin. Love Big Mo. I feel like every week he's in my 3-2-1s. He gets my one point. Who gets your one point? Uh, my one point, you know, I think that 
I think that Jaden still had a fantastic game despite that. That I guess the thought process that maybe a bigger body gets Gutho over the over the sideline. I think Jaden still did what he needed to do. I, I I know that people. There's a real big disconnect in our fan base right now with people who are so focused on Jaden being fullback and AJ being center, and then AJ being fullback and JC. They don't really know what to do with. It's just such a massive disconnect. But for me, I think that ever since JC's been given an opportunity to, to really take it uh, for his own, I think he has been really, really solid. Now, I'm going to give him the one point. Fodawake absolutely could get a crack there for sure. Um, and that, I, I think that I really would have also liked to have seen... So that's my one point. I'm going to go one point to, to Jaden Campbell there. But I also am a little bit confused in regards to the fact that I don't believe we use Jacob Alec at all, off the bench. He came into the, the team late. We didn't use him at all. I think that he would have been a prime player to come in, and I believe he would have gotten a spot in my top three if he comes on, because we need that big body against a massive Eels team. Like, the Eels have Junior Bolo there, Regan Campbell-Gillard there, Jermaine Hopgood, you know, Ryan Madison. I don't understand. I don't believe... Did he? Can you tell me if he played a single minute in that game? Not a single minute. I just don't get it because I think that he would have had a prime game. So that's why I'm bringing it up in this situation because I believe he would have gotten a vote. I think he would have. So it's frustrating to see that that didn't happen. I thought that Alec deserved a crack in this game and got onto the bench. So I'm really confused as to why he didn't get a, uh, a chance to slap it up. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking here. Maweki, 65 minutes, Tino, 50. Fafita and Haas saw out the whole game. Isaac Liu, only 38 minutes. And then 45 to Chris Randall and Aaron Clark. You just feel for Moeki in particular, backing up from Origin with Tino. Maybe we bring him down to that 50-minute mark with Tino. And that gives Jacob at least 15 minutes to come on and try to do something, which he has done for the Bears so often this year. Jaden, I didn't actually realize this. 167 meters, the second most of anyone on our team. Three line breaks and one line break assist. So four line break involvements. Um, a really underrated game from Jaden, you would say. But um, regardless, those are our three, two, one votes. Let's get around the grounds. This will be our last segment before we touch on next week. Um, if you guys aren't familiar, around the grounds is us just breaking down what happened with our feeder clubs in Queensland Cup. Let's start with the Burley Bears. They lose to the Dolphins 38-6. to um, I'll hand over to you to tell us a little bit more about the Bears weekend. Yeah, this was a really unfortunate one. They got they got trounced by the Dolphins. So the Dolphins go back to back against the Titans feeder clubs there, unfortunately, because they did beat mm-hmm. Tweed last week. But this one was a, a pretty hefty one in thirty eight to six. They do still, you know, stay in second place on the table. Uh, I, I, I believe that that must mean that Winham must have actually drawn the Winham Manly Seagulls. That really helps out the cause. I'm just going to quickly go and check this one here before I. Uh, do get on with that one. But yeah, look, I think that this is a, a really frustrating game for the Bears because they would have been really thinking they could pounce on it and, and move on to that top of the table, continue with the top of the table battle with South Logan there. But obviously, uh, that wasn't to be. It was winning Manly Seagulls here. They did lose to the Norse Devils, 44-32. So that does help because the winning Manly Seagulls would have jumped the Bears uh, due to their performance against, which is significantly better now. Uh, but they did lose to North, which is surprising considering the Devils are in 12th. But that does show a lot about what the Q Cup, the Host Plus Cup is. Uh, but Tony Francis had 113 metres, two uh, tackle breaks, pretty consistent with his stats. You know, McKaylee got some minutes with 42, 105 metres and 19 tackles with zero missed in that time. So, look, yeah, again, frustrating one for the Bears there. I, I think that it's going to be starting to get really tough when you consider... Uh, actually, no, that's the... Is that the final game of the season? No, there's still... Sorry, the ladder has it differently. Round 19, round 20. How many games are out to go? 20, 21, 22. So there's about three or four games to go here. One, two, three, four. There is four games to go. So with the Bears being in second on 28 points, they're two points behind South Logan. They would have to really rely on South Logan to pretty much mess up dramatically because South Logan have a plus 190 points differential whilst the Bears have a plus 120 points differential there. So that's a 70 points uh, swing and they are two points above. So I don't know if they actually do play each other. Let's just quickly have a look here. The Bears in their final four games yeah, will play the Pride. Yeah, they play... Well, they play the Wooden Manly Seagulls, though, which is a huge game. They play the Wooden Manly Seagulls two weeks' time. They play the Pride this week at UAA Park on the Gold Coast, the Cutters and the Blackhawks. They've got a pretty decent finish here with three bottom eight teams and then one team that they need to win against. So, tough run, uh, tough game there, but overall, I'm I'm pretty confident the Bears do finish in that top two at the very minimum. 
Yeah, I think so. Especially Magpies. They've got the buy this week, so they'll get another free two points there. I think they'll be first. Bears will be second. Um, Tweed Seagulls, we defeat East Brisbane Tigers 38-12. to uh, We moved back to seventh on the ladder, so we, we were eighth last round. One little step up there. Tremaine Sprite, well and truly back in the centres now, was experimented at a fullback there for a little bit. He had a try, 217 metres, the most of anyone in that game, and that come through two line breaks and seven tackle breaks. Tommy Weaver, not too much to report there, 62 metres and one tackle break. And Cruz Leeming, very active from dummy half, like he has been in recent weeks. 20 runs for 139 metres, a line break assist, 31 tackles, equal most of any seagull for just one miss there. So that is our wrap-up of Around the Grounds, both of our feeder clubs inside the top eight with the season down the home stretch. Our current injury list, only one to report, and this is from last week, Jimmy Joliffe, fraction hand out until round 24. Um, everyone else that was unavailable besides Firma returns this week for us. Let's move on to our team list review, Blaze. I'll read out some of the key points. Isaac Liu moves to prop with Tino for Asumala Awi unavailable. Aaron Clark, therefore, starts at lock. And Joe Stimson returns by the bench. AJ Brimson's back at fullback. So Jaden Campbell is there on the bench also. Any surprises for you? Anything you would have liked to have seen changed? I said this on the Titans Instagram post when they posted it. The more I look at this team, the more confident I am. Now, obviously, it is a huge loss that Tino Fatasul Malawi is not playing in this game. It is massive. You know, that's our captain. We want to be seeing him playing. And he does usually, pretty much every week, get at least three, at least two points in our... Uh, you know, review of the game. So he is a big loss. However, I really like the way that this team has been set up because we've been saying for so long now, Joey Stimson, bench, use him as a front row forward rotation. Cleese Haas starting back row alongside Dave Fafita. That's exactly what's happened here. I think the only thing that is a difficult one to comprehend overall is still the Jaden Campbell and AJ Brimson battle because JC has been playing so well in the last couple of weeks, as we just mentioned. Obviously, he goes to the 14 now with AJ being back into that fullback spot. But again, I need to reiterate this to people because there is such a disconnect. AJ, the reason why he didn't play last week is because he was playing on the prime stage of the game in State of Origin. You know, whether he had a good game or not, it's not the point. He is an Origin caliber player. With saying that, people don't need to disrespect JC and say, oh, well, does he play Origin? Because the fact of the matter is that Jaden has been doing a great job for us. And it just is a frustrating, good piece of depth there. But we need to understand and learn how to really utilize JC off the bench in this situation because we don't usually bring him on till later and there's no real kind of point to it. So, you know, it all points to the fact that maybe JC should be fullback and AJ should be center. But again... AJ is a fullback, so yeah, really a hard one, man. And it just gets harder the more we look at it, considering what we see with JC when he gets a spot. I love that Aaron Clark goes to that starting lock position. I think we've been calling that for that for a little bit now. And Isaac Liu, we've been saying as well, like if he goes to the front row, if he goes to the bench and is a front row forward rotation, I love it because he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to think to pass. You know, he can just run the ball hard and just defend well, and that's exactly what he does. He's a tough defender and runs the ball hard. So. I think that taking away that passing ability there was a lot better for Isaac Liu's game and his experience. So I really like that. And I do think that it probably should stay that way with Isaac potentially going to the bench when Tino comes back and utilize him and the likes of, uh, of, of Joey Stimson there. But we've got some good depth with Chris Randall, Jacob Alec, you know, Isaac Fasul Malawi. Uh, you know, I'm surprised that Shuppi is not playing. They have brought Jojo into that center there. So they're just kind of tinkering with it a little bit there. But look, I think this is a, I'm really confident with this team. I really am confident with this team. It's a strong lineup and it's probably how we've wanted to see our forward pack for a, a while now. You know, Eric Clark, every time he comes off the bench, you would never say he's playing prop. You'd always say he's playing a link man lock roll bear. Uh, because of course he grew up as a halfback and then a hooker. He's got very good passing ability. Um, whereas Isaac Liu, yeah, particularly not so much last week, but the weeks before did have those few errors that were really hurting us at lock when it was a, a pass first uh, style of play. And so That's I, I love everything. Tino should go to the front row. And I had this conversation with Justin last year. I said, you know, I think Tino is a good front row because he was playing lock, obviously, because mm. he just runs that ball hard. And I think that Isaac is the exact same kind of player where you don't think about passing it, just run the goddamn ball. Yeah. And, and just simplify the game plan. You know, when you have a, a two-time premiership winner like Liu in your side, simplify the game plan for him. Use him how the Roosters used him to win premierships. All makes sense to me. And um, yeah, on the fullback issue, I mean, you know, the best sides have this issue. The Melbourne Storm had an issue where they had drink water 
Hughes and Pappenhausen all for the same fullback jersey, which is just wild to think about now. And they're going to have that same issue soon when Pappenhausen returns and Nick Meany is still there. Uh, but yeah, overall, fantastic team list. Love the little uh, subtle changes made by Jimmy Lanahan and very excited to see how we go in our game this round, which is against the Roosters. Saturday, 3 p.m. We're at home. Seabus Super Stadium. Ooh, and I, I saw it was like a, a superhero sort of themed event is, there. Yeah. So I'm not too sure what's going on there, but I, I do know we will see Chris Butler um, as the super villain. Yeah, I heard that little laugh there. You're waiting for me to laugh to really validate that joke. And I love it. I love it. But no, Superhero Round we do every year. And also, obviously, we're aligned with Village Roadshows. So, um, you know, it's great because we have Batman and Superman and, and all that type of stuff around. And uh, we get a nice little light show normally. But I think, this, well, this is obviously a day game, so we won't get that. But no, I love Superhero Round. We get our capes off, or get our capes on, sorry, in the front line. And... Uh, Look, I think I'm going to be wearing Batman this week, ladies and gentlemen. I think I'm going to be wearing Batman, so that'll go on the vlog for sure. But no, yeah, it's uh, Superhero Round's a great round for the kids too to get them out, and what a perfect time slot for 3pm with the women's game on right beforehand as well. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a fantastic ske- uh, fantastic opportunity there with the scheduling. I like to see that we've taken full advantage of it. The fact we're at home actually gives me great confidence as well, purely from a football perspective. This year on the road, we are two from eight. Uh, most <laughs> of our wins have come... <laughs> Three from eight, is it? Sorry, my apologies. No, no, no um, it's two from eight. I just wanted to say that we beat the Oh, uh, I got you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so we should be three from eight on the road this year. <laughs> uh, but we are unfortunately two from eight. Uh, but yeah, at home, we've won a lot of our games this year. We have built it into a really strong fortress. And even our losses at home have been, you know, there's been a lot of positives, I will say, in those losses as well. But for the Roosters or our opponent, this is for me, over the last 10 years, the most beatable they've ever been. Are they stronger on paper than us? Yeah, probably they are. But that's not really mattered for any of their games this year. So I think we've got a great opportunity to get the W here. Um, I'll kick it over to you for a bit of your preview. How are you seeing this one? Are they stronger on paper than us? Because I think that, yeah, look, James Tedesco is unbelievable. But, uh, okay, look, let's look at it from an on-paper perspective. Brimson is an origin forward, but James Tedesco does have that over him. So I'll say Tedesco there. You go to the wings of Philip Sami and Lafayette Campra, Daniel Tupo and, and Suwali. Okay, probably on paper you're right, but when it comes to the centres, I would say that on paper, Jojo Feeder and Brian Kelly is better than Billy Smith and Joey Manu, despite the fact that Manu is the elite one of the, the four there, despite the fact he's not having a good season. You look at the halves, and on paper... I'd probably say that we do win in the Haas department because Sandon Smith, obviously a rookie, Tanner Boyd and Kieran Foran and Luke Keary. I think Kieran Foran and Luke Keary really equal each other out there in regards to that notoriety on paper. And then Tanner Boyd, obviously on paper, is better than Sandon Smith there. You go to the front row forwards and we've got Isaac Liu and Moaki Fodawaka with Warrior Hargroves and Lindsay Collins. You probably do give it to the likes of uh, Warrior Hargroves and Collins. But when it comes to the hooker department, Sam Verrill's the ex-rooster. who has got a, a, something to prove this week. I think he absolutely, a million times over, takes it over the, locks, the likes of Jake Turpin. And go to our back row, Dave Fafita and Cleese Haas, Victor Radley and Nat Butcher. Dave Fafita is very clearly the, the prime player of the, the four of them there. But you'd probably say the overall roundedness of Radley and Butcher. But Radley's normally in the 13 as well. He's gone to the back row. So I think that despite the fact that Cleese Haas is a rookie, it's a lot more even there than people would make out. And then when you go to the 13 of Nathan Brown, Aaron Clark... I don't think that there is really a definitive on-paper notion to say that either one of them has a, a more notable name. And obviously, Nathan Brown has is a little bit older now, whilst Aaron Clark is getting that starting spot. So, you know, and then you look at the bench. I think that the bench with Egan Butcher, Sia Wong, Terrell May, and Brennan Smith against Jaden Campbell, Chris Randall, Joe Stimson, and Jacob Alec. Jacob Alec's the only, you know, relative unknown to people out there, while Sia Wong and Terrell May are the, the unknowns. And Egan Butcher doesn't really get a great deal of recommendation. So overall, I think that it's actually a really even game on paper, really even across some key areas. It's a weird-looking matchup. But at home, a beautiful day. We need to be fired up. I, I messaged Tanner this last night. I said, we need to fire up this week. You know, we've got a point to prove. We've controversially lost three weeks in a row now, whether people think that we lost or not, because we did technically lose, but we still controversially lost regardless. So I said to Tanner, mate, we just need to fire up this week and prove that, that we have it in us. And this is a home game. We've got a three-game home stretch right now. We need to just slap down this home stretch. I know there's two tough games after this in the Cowboys and the Warriors, but we just need to slap this home stretch down and prove a point and say that we are a lot better than where our ladder positioning shows. So I really am excited, and I genuinely believe we're going to win this game. 
Yeah, I know I said earlier that I think our season's over, but the the optimistic optimistic fire in me still burns that I do believe we've got a win here. That's going to come right out despite our tough run home. Their bench does concern me. I do think the way uh, Brandon Smith, Egan Butcher, Josh Wong, and Terrell May, who ran for 222 metres last week in New South Wales Cup, they could come off the bench and, and trouble us if there is fatigue in the game, which I probably expect there will be at 3 p.m. on a hot Saturday afternoon. Um, the other area I'm a little bit worried is our leadership. Without Tino, we might struggle in that department. But I will say... Um, exactly right. Exactly right. The last time we needed a leader, Kieran Foran had an MVP performance there um, when Tino was unavailable. So uh, I think Kieran Foran is primed for a big game here. Not only Kieran, but the man that's going to be playing outside him, David Feeder, who will play his 100th NRL game. So congratulations to Dave. Still extremely young and already hitting 100 NRL games. Ultimately, our forwards do, we do face a tough battle in the middle there. You've got to give respect to players like Jared Lowry or Hargraves, no matter how the Roosters are traveling. Um, an old veteran like him that's seen it all, he's going to bring it no matter what. Outside backs, really, really tight there. It's going to be a tight battle in the middle. So it is going to, you know, it could really come down to those outside backs and who ices their opportunities, um, particularly given it's Saturday, 3 p.m will be a hot day you'd expect it's actually no it's what i jump in here and say it's actually not i just went and looked at the weather it's meant to be a maximum yeah. of 20 degrees so i'd say that's probably going to be around 16 17 degrees it was 17 degrees at 3 p.m i think it's prime time beautiful weather well i guess it depends where you live because in from from where i live in canberra that's a hot day <laughs> so that's the uh <laughs> yeah there you go that the tells us everything we need now. yep if there's any other Canberra uh, people who live in Canberra listening to this that go for the Titans, they'll know what I'm saying. Everyone else is saying, shut up, Clarkie. And also, if day. you're living in Canberra, I also apologize. I'm, I, I really, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, and to you as well, Clarkie. Mate, I'll accept that on behalf of all Canberra. <laughs> we deserve it. It sucks down here. No, but in all seriousness, the Roosters are only averaging 16 points per game this year. And when you look at our strengths as a side, it is our ability to put on points. So, I think there's a real opportunity here to say, hey, last week we didn't play our best footy in the first 15. Why don't we come out, lads, uh, properly focused. Let's really, you know, skin this rooster, rip the feathers out of the chook before the chook is, you know, and then roast it. Um, RSPCA. No skinning cat this week, Clarky. No no skinning cat this time. We're plucking the rooster. this podcast. But no, you you know what I mean? If we come out, get our start right to this game, put on a few points, well, we know statistically the Roosters only averaged 16 this year. Maybe their heads drop. There's a real change in their attitude. Now defense can take over um, and win it from there. The stats say they have won the last nine in a row over us. So I do think this will be a tough one. I don't expect it to be easy. Um, I do still respect the Roosters team despite their recent form this year. My prediction, Dave defeat a double, two try assists from Kieran Foran minimum. And we will win by a 1-12 to 12 margin. I'll go 1-12. to 12. I was going to say 1-6, to six, but I'll open that at 1-12. to 12. Uh, How are you? What's your final say on this game and your final prediction as well? Hmm. Hmm. What do I go with in regards to a margin prediction? I think that this is going to be... Because, like, look, I look at Suwali'i and I, I can see that he doesn't look like he really wants to be there anymore. He signed that contract rubber union. You know, I'll be getting into him on the wing. I see if I sort of stay in this week. And, you know, God help Sandon Smith with his kicking tee from my sideline. I can tell you that right now. I think he's kicking. If not, if it's Suwali'i, oh, my gosh, he's going to have a really fun day at the office there with me. Uh, but, look, I think that it's going to be a, a big game here for the Titans to really show that they are angry right now. I think we are angry, and I think this will be the real nail in the coffin of the Roosters' season. Because if we win this, it's pretty much guaranteed the Roosters are going to finish outside of the top eight this year. They just don't have it in them in regards to that. And I think that this will keep a little flickering light alive for whoever wins this game between these two. Because whoever wins goes above the other, right? And whoever wins, I think, because the Dolphins have the bye this week, so the Roosters can't go above them. Uh, but... Uh, well, they might be able to on points differential, but the point of the matter is if we win, we stay above the Dolphins and also the Roosters there. So, look, you know what? I'm going to back us in. I'm going to 100% back us in. I need to see us have a really emotional response to the last few weeks, especially that Eels game. And I'm going to say 13 plus. I'm going to say by 14 points. I'm going to back our boys in to get a really angry performance and really, you know, remove this uh, last few years we've lost the Roosters mentality because we did that to the Eels in the first game of the season when we played at Magic Round and their social media team was in, you know, all sorts 
sorts and, and commenting salty stuff on all the Instagrams. So, yeah, look, I'm going to back our team in. I, I it, it could be biased, absolutely. But with that being said, I absolutely 100% support the fact that this team can win this week and win well. Eels, social media team. It's uh, ironic that a team that's won <laughs> more wooden spoons recently, they haven't won a premiership for 38 years. <laughs> that's last premiership probably wasn't even colour television. And Why don't forget it? to mention they cheated the salary cap to win back-to-back spoons. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> yeah, and that... you, you put it all together, and that's the team that wants to hand crap on us. <laughs> oh, God. Let's jump into our Q&A section. We are fast approaching that one-hour mark. I thought yeah. this one was a really um, interesting one. I assume this is someone from your page. Um, people would most likely be familiar. You vlog every Titans game, travel around Australia to watch our site every single week. It comes from... Noreen Graffiti, and they say, does BKR pay for his trips to the away games? If so, I've got mad respect. So maybe a chance for yourself to explain to our listeners a little bit how your setup works. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I pay for it all. You know, obviously I do YouTube, so I do get paid through YouTube, but it isn't, you know, the kind of money that you're looking from the likes of KSI and Logan Paul and whatnot, right? So I do what I can, you know, I do pay for my trips uh, myself. You know, the club at times will definitely give me, a, you know, a ticket or two to a couple of tickets to a Titans game away. You know, they did that with the Parramatta Eels game on the weekend. You know, when they can help out, they can in regards to the Raiders as well. Uh, they do support what I do. Uh, but obviously, we're not on that kind of level where I'm literally working with the club. In an ideal world, I absolutely have the desire and the dream to be able to work alongside the Gold Coast Titans to uh, be able to promote our team, promote our community uh, a lot more than it currently is. You know, I really want to fortify and force the fact that we do have a team here in the Gold Coast and I don't care about what the opposition say. You know, I go into battle with the Wayfairs every single week and if anyone sits with me at the Eels game or the Dogs game or, you know, ever, anywhere, the fact of the matter is is that I'm willing to put myself out there regardless. And, you know, as I've said before, I did this for six years, six, seven years before I even created a YouTube channel. Obviously, this has really amped up the energy of it all, but the fact of the matter is, I was a part of the front line since very early days, and which was the Legion back then. And yeah, I would love to, in a desirable position, work alongside the club one day. Uh, but yeah, for the time being, I do pay for it myself. And uh, you know, it's worth it. I do make a lot of sacrifices to make it happen. I won't lie to you, but it is absolutely worth it the entire time. Mate, I love it. And for anyone listening, BKR also goes live for every other NRL game on his YouTube channel. Um, I'm on there a lot, and you'll see a lot of his subscribers will actually send through donations. might not seem like a lot, but, um, you know, I'm sure all of that adds up and really helps as well. I remember one time someone done it, it was like $1,000 for a a new laptop or something crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was was, uh, one of our subscribers for sure. Like, we're we're starting to, donations are really what helps a dramatic amount in regards to the YouTube channel. You know, we do get paid through views and whatnot as well, but we do have memberships where it's like $5 a member and you get gifts, specific gifts and whatnot in the chat. And plus also people donate uh, to have a bit of fun and have their message highlighted. Because obviously I read out all the comments, but I'll, it goes quite fast sometimes. So when someone donates, yeah, look, it, it obviously, um, I see their name, I see their, their comment, I thank them, and then I read out their comments. So yeah, donations do go a long way. People say all the time, I wish I could donate more. It doesn't matter. Like as, if you can, you can. If you can't, you can't. I do this for the love of the game. And obviously I want to make a career out of it for sure. And uh, I, like I said, I make a lot of sacrifices, but it's all worth it to be able to provide a relative voice for a fan base that doesn't has never had anybody to really defend it publicly on an individual level yeah man and, and for what it's worth you should be on an hourly rate with how passionately you defend <laughs> this club especially on social media no but in all, in all honesty mate you can only respect the passion as a titans fan if we had um more fans like you then oh my god we'd uh there'd, there'd be like sound barriers God coming from us. stadiums on game God day. God help us. I got Instagram messages saying I can hear you on the TV at the Eels game. That's how loud we were. And <laughs> Mate, yeah, I can hear no, it too. God help us. I love it. Let's, um, you know, let's manifest something here. Let, let's look back on this a few years from now once the podcast is well and truly going. What about, what about our official dream to be an ambassadors of the club or so, to work with the club in some capacity where... Um, you know, we've united a large portion of Titans fans who love our club. They're here because they respect our previews, recaps. Um, and, and, you know, we're one day officially working with the Gold Coast Titans. I, I don't know if you want to do it, but I'm happy to manifest that right here. And hopefully we can look back on that in a few years and make that dream a reality. 
100%, man. That's exactly what I would love to do. And I just want to reiterate to people, you know, we don't think that we're any better fans than you. We just have a platform where we're able to really defend this team. You know, I just want to make sure that people don't think that just because he goes to every game or you know, because other people do this, uh, Clarkie and I do this, it doesn't mean that we're any better fans than anybody else. We just have the ability to kind of do that. And we want to, we have that drive and passion to, no matter what the results are, defend the Gold Coast. Because it's all about our community. It's all about the people that are around us. And, and that's why I just... I love our home games because it's a rule around people that I just want to see happy. I want to see smiles on faces. So yeah, I absolutely want to, would love to do exactly what you're saying there. We just got to, you know, hopefully the, um, hopefully we get to that stage one day. Yeah. Until that time, we'll keep working hard to make the best podcast possible every week. Our next question comes from Liam Hatch. He says, do you agree that outside of Tino, this is our best possible 17? It's a great question. I like it a lot. I'm just looking at who's unavailable. There's, you could argue Shoppy could be in. Bowie Firmer, of course. Thomas McKayley had a great game on the weekend. Could we find room for him on the bench? Ultimately, I'm really happy with this 17. Now, I think if you add Tino to it, you probably have to drop Liu back to the bench, or would you drop Fotuaka back for impact? I would put Liu off. Well, well, let's see how Liu goes this week, you know, in the front row forward mm. area, because Liu could be more of a starter than Moeki, and, and, and then Moeki comes off the bench there, as you said, with the impact. So I think this week will tell me a lot about if Isaac is a starting front row alongside Tino with Mo coming off the bench, or if Isaac is off the bench with Tino and Mo starting. I, I like the idea of that. So I, I really... For me, I think that it would go down the path of Liu starting with Fodawaker off the bench, which is no discredit to Mo. It's just that his impact would be absolutely surreal off the bench there if Liu can can hold his own in that department. So I think that, yeah, Bowie Firma obviously would come onto that back row position. Khalees Haas would have to go to bed. But then we've just got such good depth at the moment that then you're missing out on a few players here that... Yeah, it would be... It's, it's really interesting going into next year. So I think this is a really good 17. I don't know if it's... I wouldn't say it's necessarily our best 17, but it's a really good 17 that I'm really confident with this week. Yeah, I'm just thinking, look, if we're full strength here, I'm probably going to drop Fotuaka back to the bench just for his impact, whereas I know they use that consistent premiership winner. So that would move Mo back onto the bench. You'd then have to find a spot for Jimmy Jolov and Bo Firma. Oh, Jimmy Jolov, I forgot about Jimmy as well. Which, which means really... You, which means really the only person that's absolutely safe on that bench would be Jaden Campbell. So, yeah, you know, I think it's best if we park that question there until we get until next year and all our players are available. And then we'll what if we get Ben Hunt, Clarkie? And then what if we get yeah. Ben Hunt? What are we doing? We, I'm freaking out. We need a petition <laughs> to the NRL to extend the amount of... Let's go to rugby rules and put 15 yeah. on the field because we're going to have that many great players and that Absolutely. much depth. It's not funny. And if we do get our own reserve grade side... It is going to be so fun watching us with all these NRL talents toweling up other reserve grade sides. Our final question comes from Dill Watson on Instagram. And he says, are we getting robbed due to being a smaller club with a smaller fan base? I believe we have the least amount of members of any NRL club. Am I correct in that? I believe so. I can't confirm that. And I I wouldn't want to confirm that even if it was true. But I can't personally (laughs) confirm that. Uh, Do you want to ask that question first? Do you want me to answer it? I'll go first. You know what? I, I I think no. I think referee calls go both ways. But I do wonder if, and, and I hate to use a non-NRL um, example here, but kind of try to bear me out here. I'm a big mixed martial arts boxing fan. And I do wonder, do the judges, as they go into a contest, subconsciously in their mind think that the superstar is going to win? And so they um, subconsciously and maybe accidentally are looking for ways to score it for that player because they think they're going to win. I do wonder, can that same logic be brought back to the NRL and the officials go out there and they think, yeah, the Eels should win this game, not the Titans. And are they subconsciously, not even realizing it, making calls based on that in their mind? I'm not too sure and I can't confirm it. So I would never go as far to suggest that. But I do think it is an option whenever you have human beings officiating something and the only way to fix it, get a robot, which is not going to happen, right? So I'm going to say no, just because it's too hard to confirm that sort of thing. Um, But over to you for your response. Yeah, I'll keep it limited here because obviously we have been going over the hour mark now. But I will say that what I always look at this sport and sport in general, uh, but specifically relating to the NRL, is that I don't think that games are being rigged. I don't think that games are being 
deliberately forced down a different direction. But I do believe that there is an agenda for storylines where if there's a 50-50 call, you can give it to that team instead of that team. With it being a 50-50, it's not technically illegal to do that, but considering, you know, it's 50-50. So I think that those ones do go to certain teams to really enforce a narrative and agenda that really builds alongside the NRL. And I think that we've seen that with a lot of teams in recent years. And you've also got to remember, as you've, as you've just kind of specified, that the, the referees and officials did also grow up supporting a team. They did also grow up with their individual biases, whether it's known or not known. There are certain, there are certain co- uh, referees out there who are aligned literally with teams still to this day, mm-hmm. like are members of the, of the club. And they still get wow. given those teams to uh, referee against. And I'm not saying that they are, they are deliberately doing it, but as you said, like the internal biases can clearly be seen of looking for things that maybe not there, but because they want a certain way internally. So it's a really hard thing to explain. But the fact of the matter is, I don't think that we're being deliberately dudded. I think that it's an unfortunate kind of part of we're not getting certain calls because it's not our time or our storyline personally yet. And I think that there are other factors that go into it. So no, I don't believe that we're getting deliberately dudded or or, or rigged out of games. I do think that it is incredibly unfortunate in regards to what's happening right now. But things do need to obviously be better in regards to the, what, what's happened the last three weeks. And that's why you'll probably see us get advantages this week. If we if we lose in a controversial stance this week, I'll blow up. Like, I'll, I'll blow up. Because the Roosters are a team that obviously in the past have had notions that they are getting the rub of the green. So hopefully we can get the rub of the green in this game. And look, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to complain. Over the last few weeks of getting controversial calls against us, I ain't going to be complaining if we get a few calls our way this week. So, yeah. No rigging. Just... Narratives and agendas that push down a fifty-fifty path, in my personal opinion. Personally, I hate it when when you know you go to my halftime posts, for example, on Instagram, and I remember the Bulldogs game. All the Bulldogs fans are saying, "Oh, the refs are giving you the rub of the green. You're only winning because of the refs." And then, of course, we did go on to lose at full time, and oh, the comments after from Bulldogs fans were absolutely unbearable. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll we'll park it right there because we've been down the Bulldogs fans path before. It's not a pretty one. Uh, but to all our viewers and our <laughs> listeners as a podcast, we want to say thank you very much. If this is your first time here uh, with the Gold Coast Titans Frontline Podcast, we want to say thank you very much. And we hope you give us another chance and stick around next week. Um, with that, that's all I've got to you guys. Thank you very much. And over to you, Blaze, to say goodbye to everyone. Well, goodbye, everyone. It's been a tough one, but we've got through it. And I'm really looking forward to a three-game home stretch. We don't have to travel for this week against the a team that we definitely have a good opportunity of beating. And obviously, I'll be there on the drums, getting as big of an atmosphere as we possibly can with the front line, you know, the official supporters club of the Gold Coast Titans. But that doesn't detract from you guys getting out there and supporting from wherever you are in the stadium. Let's outnumber the Roosters fans. The Roosters fans don't normally bring a huge crowd. So let's get Titans fans out there, angry Titans fans out there that are going to fire up behind this team and really get us this win with our boys. The boys do need us. So get to see bus, get there for the women's game as well. Trust me, you will not regret it because we have a good team going forward this year. Really exciting stuff. So if you're on YouTube here, comment below your thoughts. Obviously subscribe if you're on Spotify, Apple and the likes. Do obviously give us a rating or, uh, you know, if we can like, I'm not too sure. But uh, I really appreciate all of you guys for supporting what, what we're trying to build here and create. And I hope you guys are really enjoying it. So they'll be doing us here for today. And let's pluck those chooks to sun. Let's pluck those chooks to sun. I love it, mate. Let's uh, close the book on another episode. Did somebody say KFC?